0: This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 702, Comic Talk slash Flashback to Jonathan Hickman on Secret Warriors. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast, this is episode 702, it's the long march to 800. Uh, today is uh, half comic talk, half flashback. I want to talk about a book that um, I love very much, but also want to talk about a creator who, uh, generally speaking, I've enjoyed a lot as well. So I want to flashback for a second to, uh, what year was it? My goodness. I feel like it was two thousand uh, 2008, 2009, uh, back when Secret Invasion was all the rage. Um... You had these issues by Brian Michael Bendis uh, that were kind of leading up to something that this team, this idea that there was this team uh, that was put together, and these are the kind of the secret warriors. Um, and it's, it's it's just interesting to read it now because it's so different. But uh, so I'm talking about the Secret Warriors uh, book by Jonathan Hickman, but specifically. Uh, I'm actually looking at the Secret Warriors Omnibus. Now, I'm a huge fan of the Secret Warriors series. I just think it's phenomenal. I love it so much. I actually forget sometimes that it kind of started off as a Bendis creation um, in terms of Bendis kind of putting the team together and some of the, what, Mighty Avengers issues? I can't even remember which issues it was. I'm trying to remember. I guess Mighty Avengers 13 uh, and I guess 18. Well, in the Omnibus includes Mighty Avengers 13 and 18, um, and then Dark Reign, The List, Secret Warriors, number one, Siege, Secret Warriors, number one, and Material from Dark Reign, New Nation, number one, and Secret Warriors, 1-28. to 28. So, I always forget that the Secret Warriors was originally a team put together in the pages of The Mighty Avengers, um, it was kind of this flashback thing that was being put together on the down low, and would eventually come back and be part of Secret Invasion. Um, it always felt like they didn't really play a big enough role, however, but other than that it was very cool to kind of see him there and kind of teaching this team like you know what a Skrull is and really kind of showing his intelligence and bringing this this you know this team of neophytes this brand new uh, bunch of characters who are all kind of had they, a bunch of them had kind of connections to other various heroes and and villains as the case might be and uh which was very interesting and so you got these two issues that are written by Bendis they're written by Bendis. You know, the I feel like the um, the omnibus doesn't actually clearly break things out as to you know, who worked on what or what was going on. And I feel like that's a little frustrating um, because you know, oh, here, here you know, I'm just I'm just dumb. Mighty Avengers 13 and 18, written by Brian Michael Bendis, Alex Malev, on art on one of them, Stefano Caselli on the other. Um, these are you know great lead ups, and it always it's interesting to kind of go back to them because you feel like they're going to have a huge role to play in Secret Invasion. And then you get to Secret Invasion, and, you know, they're there, and they're important, but not to, like, the degree that they're built up for. However, then you get the actual series. So this is where Jonathan Hickman comes on. Um, again, the characters created by Brian Michael Bendis, used in Secret Invasion very briefly, and then they work together to write Dark Nation, New Nation, and... Um, Sorry, I'm trying to remember the chronology of everything, yeah. And they they write a story um, which introduces what's going on in this book. Sorry, I find the credits a little bit confusing. Now I understand. Dark Dark Rain, New Nation is a one-shot, or at least it's a story in in a a larger book, setting up the Dark Rain era, uh, which came out of Secret Invasion, which... It's hard to believe it's like 11 years ago. It feels so much longer in some ways. And then you had... So you had that issue that was written by Bendis and Hickman. And then Hickman and Bendis are credited together on the first six issues. And then it becomes a Hickman vehicle. So going back to 2008, I was a Brian Michael Bendis fan. Really enjoyed you know, Secret Invasion. Did it have its issues at the end? Yeah, but generally speaking, I was still a big fan of Brian Michael Bendis. I had cooled on him in later years, but at the time, I think everyone was on the Bendis bandwagon. At least it felt like it. Like he was, you know, doing exciting things and big things and changing things, and that was exciting. And Dark Rain was a whole kind of status quo shift, and it was, you know, very exciting. Anyways. Then you have him writing with Jonathan Hickman. So at the time, I didn't know who Jonathan Hickman was. I had no idea who this person was, what if they'd ever done anything before. But this was the first time I ever remember seeing Jonathan Hickman's name. It's on Secret Warriors and this is a story from Dark Reign: New Nation. And the New Nation story, I love. It's all about this idea of what the one man can do, and uh, and and it's just it's brilliantly framed. It's it's interesting to look back on it because. Secret Warriors was definitely pitched as kind of being this team, this team book. As it came on, I realized that instead it was Jonathan Hickman telling the best Nick Fury story he could possibly tell. And the other characters were kind of incidental to that. Um, and yeah, and look at reading, going back, and I'm curious if it's Hickman or Bendis or what their, you know, relationship was like working on this, if it was kind of working on plot together and then maybe Hickman doing the, the, the scripting. I'm not sure. Um, there, this whole frame of this first issue, not even the first issue, the first story um, that, the, that Hickman's working on in this New Nation um, one-shot has all about the idea of, I will be the one man. And it has this shot of Captain America back in the day saying, These are dark and desperate times. I know that some of you are afraid. It's all right. It's perfectly natural, but I want you to know that I am not. Uh, I'm not afraid to die this day because what we do here is necessary and may seem impossible. while well, Our enemies may appear to be endless, but that doesn't matter because there is no one else. Um, look at me. I believe in an idea. An idea that a single individual who has the right heart and the right mind that is consumed with a single purpose, that one man, can win a war. Give, me, g- give that one man a group of soldiers with the same conviction and you can change the world and then it's like him talking to the Howling Commandos and saying, basically, you boys know where I can find some men like that, and they go and, uh, you know, they, they follow Captain America. So it's such a fascinating way of showing how Captain America inspired Nick Fury, which you don't usually think of, but they were in World War II together, even though that seems crazier as time goes on, and, uh, you know, how Nick Fury still alive becomes even more crazy. This is, again, before he was kind of ruined by Original Sin. And I love how here Captain America's dead now, I mean, he, he died at the end of the Civil War, and Nick Fury has been impacted by that. And he's kind of saying, like, you should be here. This is your thing. And again, Nick Fury had been underground for years after Secret War. Um... All throughout the you know the first few years of Brian Michael Bendis's New Avengers run, Nick Fury was not an active player. We often saw his safe houses. We heard about him. Uh, he was definitely kind of around for the Cap America stuff by Brubaker, but he wasn't an active participant. Um, and this is where he kind of starts to become an active participant again. And the idea that you know he's at Cap America's grave and saying like you should be here. This is your thing. Um, and the idea that he's almost like it's finding religion. Um, he says, is there anything more pathetic than an old man finding religion or an old soldier deciding he's got one more battle to win? Of course there is the greater sin. And then you realize he's talking to his, his group. The greater sin is doing nothing when you can be giving everything of dreaming too small. I will be the one man and you will be my army. The world needs us. These are dark and desperate times. Great bookend. Uh, and then you launch into this, you know, this amazing series. The first volumes, uh, Nick Fury agent of nothing. Uh, it's all about, you know, shield is no more. You have the agents of Hammer, and so you have uh, Nick Fury kind of running, kind of Black Ops with this this clandestine team. Um, Stefano Caselli does amazing artwork; it's so exciting. You, you read the issue; it's you know, again, it's it's thrilling, it's entertaining. Um, you know, Nick Fury's back on the grid. What does this mean? Uh, you know, he goes to the White House, talks with Obama, and it's the idea that you know something's going on. And Daisy Johnson, who's part of his Secret Warriors. I could tell you the team, but I mean, most of them are not forgettable because they're still around, but they're not super super fascinating characters. Besides maybe uh, Quake, Um, but at the very end of the first issue, you find out, and this is where kind of everything gets flipped, and we start to get used to part of what Hickman does a lot of is you have the idea that Nick Fury has found out that Hydra issue. That maybe you know they've been working for the bad t- bad guys the whole damn time. It's so fascinating to go back again now and read something like this because you have movies like Winter Soldier, again, which was what 2014, six years later, where the whole concept is that you know hydra have been festering inside of Shield and corrupting it. Um, and here we kind of have that right in the comic uh, at the end of the first issue. You have you know this whole idea of this this data storage, and they have these pages which are. You know, all laid out and designed by Hickman, and it's all about the hierarchy of Hydra and uh, their assets. And this is something that you see a lot of in a lot of his books. Like you have uh, this uh, list of Fury secret bases, Hydra bases, um, you know, in in different areas, which is really interesting. You have this whole timeline of Hydra, um, that database of like different Shield agents and files, and all this kind of back matter that. Hickman seems to love. And if you're reading House of X and P- Powers of Ten right now, you get more and more of that. And again, it's his visual design sense. And so when you feel like when you pick up a Hickman book, you're not just getting the story on the page, you're getting back matter. You're getting, you know, uh, grids and maps and files and all sorts of stuff because that's just what he does. Um, and in, in then in the second chapter, you have, you know, the, scr- the scrolls of invaded uh, Baron von Strucker, and von Strucker has to kind of just torch everything to escape. I haven't read this in a while, so I'm not going to go an issue-by-issue issue synopsis, but, uh, you know, this is all about kind of reinventing the battles between S.H.I.E.L.D. and Hydra once Fury learns what's been going on the entire time. You have a new cabal bringing together the different heads of the Hydra. Um, it's just, you know, so many different characters. Like, you got the Kraken, you got... Um, oh, I can't even remember some of these characters' names. Um, oh, which is really going to bug me. Again, on the Secret Warrior side, you have, like, Ares... Um, Oh, the Gorgons here too. That's right. You have um, the son of uh, of Ares is, is part of the team. Phobos. Uh, I get Druid, who's I can't remember if he's the son of Doctor Druid or just you know um, related to that character. Uh, and I don't want to spoil this. I want people to read this. I just wanted to kind of remember what it was like to first read this book. Um, And it was thrilling and exciting. And again, like I go back and I can, you know, it's just, it's such a great story, great characterization. You get to see what I think is one of my favorite Nick Fury stories. It's such a labyrinth of, you know, wheels within wheels, which is kind of one of the storylines, where you have, you know, you have another organization that comes out, Leviathan. Is it called Leviathan? I can't remember. I mean, maybe I'm just thinking too much of, um, whatchamacallit? uh, DC's characters, but there's, there's, there's another, uh, you know, it is Leviathan, there's, again, there's the Great Wheel, there's all these different characters that are involved um, with this, again, this very long association. You get to see the, the beginnings of um, life model decoys, what they mean. Again, exquisite issue with Phobos. Um, you know, there's some emotional stuff here. You know, again, there's some flashbacks. There's uh, again, some great kind of reveals at the end which are really kind of mess with you and aren't maybe what you expect to see happening um even just flipping through it i I feel like i have to reread the entire series to kind of remember all the crazy twists and turns that it takes and again i'm not going to ruin it um you know because there's just so much here and i feel like there's also some wasted potential because it leaves shield in a certain place that i felt like they never really picked it up properly unfortunately um which is really unfortunate. And it has probably one of my favorite endings to a book too, because, you know, you have Nick Fury disappear at the end and he's got like one last thing to do. And, um, yeah. And I'm not going to ruin it, but again, it's, it's an exquisite book. Um, the omnibus is fantastic. Um, you got you know great covers throughout the series by Jim Chung, artwork by uh, Justin Poncer, who's unfortunately passed away. Um, you know they really jump off the stands because again they share that specific aesthetic that um, that uh, Jonathan Hickman definitely brought to the cover design. Um, so there's a lot of great bonus material. Here. There's some old scripts. Actually a bunch of I think is it just a, maybe just issue one script, but it's so dense. You got the great. Uh, Sketchbook by Alessandro Vitti, who does a lot of the artwork here, as well as Stefano Caselli. Um, I cannot recommend this this book enough. Again, this is when I discovered Jonathan Hickman. Um, you know, and then he was working on Secret Warriors, and then working on uh, Fantastic Four at the same time as doing um, his the the Shield Architects book. It's all about the kind of secret history of a Shield, which definitely makes you look at Shield in a different way. So phenomenal, and again, this was this was my entree to Hickman, like um, you know, something that isn't as crazy. I mean, he does some crazy stuff with it in terms of trying to pull things together. I think he likes you know, kind of um, Byzantine societies or secret societies. I mean, definitely saw that in his amazing work on the Illuminati and New Avengers, uh, his Council of Reeds uh, when he was doing Fantastic Four, and maybe someday I'll talk more in depth about that because I think his run on Fantastic Four, probably one of my favorite Fantastic Four runs. Um, it's hard to decide, like from a from a just having a macro idea of having smaller stories that end up feeding into some larger narrative, and then when it happens, you're just like holy shit. Like I feel like the worst thing that ever happened to Hickman on Fantastic Four is that he reached the ending and he didn't leave the book, and then he just kind of stayed on for a while and he told some interesting stories, which especially some that in retrospect kind of led into New Avengers. But I felt like he kind of he told the mega story and then he was still there, and then he just kind of did stuff and. I don't know if that ever works as well. Anyways, I'd have to look at Hickman's kind of timeline to remember everything that I've enjoyed with him and exactly when I came on, but um, those are definitely books I enjoyed. East of West is one where I just didn't get it, or I remember reading the first trade and just feeling like it went over my head and being like, okay, and then I just kind of fell off and never kind of picked back up. Manhattan Project is one that I absolutely adore, and I'm so sad I went away, um, you know those that first twenty five issues. I mean, I'm not counting the second, sorry, of the uh, the miniseries that kind of came afterwards, just because it's not quite as good. It's still good, but it's not it's not the same as that first you know five trades. Those are perfect. Um, you know, I remember i was working for comic gaming magazine or whatever it's called now comics and gaming monthly i think at the time it was just doing a little bit of freelance for this magazine and in toronto and uh they you know said that you know oh, we have this these review copies for this upcoming book it's called uh Project.' projects I'm like all right cool so i'll read it and i read it and i was really enjoying it and i got to the end and i was like holy fuck what i'm going reading this is so good blew me away it was just so good um Manhattan Project is one of those books where I have resisted the quad dip, but I've triple dipped. I bought the singles when they came out. I was also buying it digitally when it came out and I also bought the trades. Never bought the hardcover and they never came up with a third hardcover, so the entire series isn't in hardcover, so I haven't I haven't done that. Um, but looking back at Secret Warriors, like I bought that in, in singles when it was coming out, before digital copies were a thing. Uh, they were coming with most books, I believe. Actually they might might have been, but I just I didn't have a device at that point and didn't think that... like either so many codes that I could have used and didn't because, and then it ended up expiring because I just didn't have a a reader. So I just didn't think it mattered. I should have been getting them and stockpiling them for eventually when I did have a digital comics reader or an iPad or something, and then I wouldn't be able to enjoy it. But I remember buying those in singles and then I'm pretty sure I bought the trades and I'm trying to remember, I think I sold them, the singles to, like, a, like my uh, my brother-in-law, Paul? I, I may have. I can't remember. And then I think at one point I then gave him my trades because I didn't need it anymore because I got the omnibus. Um, and the omnibus is, is beautiful. It's fantastic. I've, I don't think it missed anything that was originally in the trades uh, because that would have sucked if it had. Um, yeah. No, just... That's kind of the, the first time I really knew anything about Hickman. It was hard to believe it's eleven years ago, and I've read a lot of things I've enjoyed from him, and some stuff that hasn't always worked as well. But for the most part, I think his batting average is very high with me. I've, I've enjoyed most of his stuff that I've read. There was a, a one year where I I wanted a bunch of his his image work. So I I was realizing, oh, there's all this image work that he did that I have never read and never been able to enjoy, and uh, I should really go back and get those. And I told my wife about it, and so she, for Christmas that year, bought me a bunch. And she always brings this up because I think she bought it on Amazon or something. And uh, for, like, years, uh, it'll be like, hey, Kelly, this new Jonathan Hickman book, and she's like, "No, this isn't for me. Stop bothering me. This is the. This is what happens when you buy nerdy things for your husband uh, or for your significant other. I should say, I shouldn't just say your husband. This is when you buy something for your significant other, and uh, your like because of the the day we the days we live in and technology. Um, technology will not let you forget that one time that you did that nice thing, and now you're uh, going to be saddled with that forever. Anyways, this is uh, just a short little episode um, in the vein of, it's funny, I've obviously done these flashback and comic talk episodes previously, um, but uh, recently a good friend of the show, Eric Anthony, um, started doing the road report on his own episodes, uh, where as he's driving to work every day because he has a longer commute now, he's able to uh, just kind of record a podcast on the fly, which is really cool, first of all, because it takes his commute and makes it productive, Wish I could do that with mine. Um, I'm usually I guess reading comics which I guess is productive because then that feeds into episodes but if I could record episodes on my commute man I would I like that'd be one less thing that I had to take time out of when I'm at home trying to juggle between my wife and son and, and cleaning my house um, but so he does these great episodes where he just kind of has stream of consciousness while he's driving super jealous that again that he's well I guess able to drive because I have a medical suspension that says I can't um, and that well wah, wah. and then uh, also that uh, you know he's able to convert that Energy into podcasts, which is really cool. Uh, so when I did this episode today, I was like, "Well, I'm kind of, kind of going to do this flow through, kind of like what I usually do, but also I'm going to channel some Eric Anthony today, bring that energy." Um, anyways, I hope this was enjoyable. Um, I, I might talk about more Hickman stuff in the future. Maybe I'll uh, get a, a guest at some point to look at certain. Um, books that he's worked on, etc. Or maybe I'm actually hoping that once Powers of X, sorry, Powers of Ten and House of X are, are done, that I might maybe have uh, Nathan Struck on the show to kind of deconstruct it and talk about it. Um, I've been sharing his my digital copies with him so I can keep him up to date because I really need to talk to someone on a regular basis about what's going on in this book, what could go on, what Hickman's doing. Um, Anyways, so, so I'm really enjoying that book right now. You can email me at the comic shanigans at gmail.com, rate the show on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes and also listen to us on Stitcher. Uh, Thanks again for listening to this episode. Our next episode, our reviews episode, will be going out actually tomorrow, uh, which is, what, I guess the 21st of August. Um, And then our next two episodes, I'm not really sure what they're going to be after that. Obviously one of them is going to be reviews, one of them is going to be much like this episode probably, just kind of uh, off the cuff. And then I'm going to be on vacation for a little bit and kind of come back, hopefully, ready, raring and ready to go to do more episodes. Uh, Matt Wilson, colorist, Eisner award-winning Matt Wilson, will be on the show soon as well. I'm excited to have him. And we're working on a bunch of other future guests. Um, We've been a little late on uh, conversation episodes recently. Um, Just things haven't been working out in terms of some of the scheduling. But I'm hoping uh, that we'll have some good ones coming up as we move into the fall. Maybe I'll call it the, the fall interview season. Anyways, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Combo Shenanigans, and we will catch you next time. Bye-bye!